0: Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. I wish Jesus had left a little more room for interpretation. Jesus said plenty of things that left us asking questions because it wasn't quite clear what he meant. This isn't one of them. It's clear and direct and terribly difficult. Love your enemies in preparation for the series leading up to the election, I was also asked the challenging question, how do we love people when they want to harm us? It's a question deeply rooted in our current reality. The most recent FBI report on hate crimes based on those committed in 2018 reported a 16-year high in hate crimes in the U.S with a sharp increase in hate crimes against Latinos. Race, religion, and sexual orientation were the top three reasons for committing a hate crime. How do we love people when they want to harm us? I don't have a solid answer myself. It is absolutely terrifying when someone wants to harm you. I can name a handful of times that I was in real physical danger, And in each case, I was not worried about the well being of the person trying to harm me. I wanted to get someplace safer than where I was. It only helps a little bit that Jesus gave the commandment to love our enemies, understanding the weight of that commandment. I did happen to think, however, that Martin Luther King Jr. might have preached on this text about loving your enemies. And he might have some very thoughtful words. So he did indeed preach on the command several times, and a transcript of the sermon from November 17, 1957 exists. The sermon was preached at the church where he was a pastor, Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. By 1957, he was receiving death threats from very near enemies. Following the 1955 Montgomery, Alabama bus boycott, protesting segregation. Just over a decade later, he would be assassinated by these enemies. Because we know how King's story ends, I want you to know how his sermon ends before we go any further. He says, So this morning, as I look into your eyes, And into the eyes of all of my brothers in Alabama and all over America and over the world, I say to you, I love you. I would rather die than hate you. If it weren't 40 minutes long, we'd probably listen to that sermon this morning. In some ways, it's extraordinary, and in many more ways, it's exactly what you'd hear in any introduction to the New Testament class. King begins, certainly these are great words. Words lifted to cosmic proportions, and over the centuries, many persons have argued that this is an extremely difficult command. Many would go so far as to say that it just isn't possible to move out into the actual practice of this glorious command. They would go on to say that this is just additional proof That Jesus was an impractical idealist who never quite came down to earth. So the arguments abound. But far from being an impractical idealist, Jesus has become the practical realist. The words of this text glitter in our eyes with a new urgency. Far from being the pious injunction of a utopian dreamer, this command is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. Yes, it is love that will save our world and our civilization. Love even for enemies. And here is some of King's practical advice. If you're going to love your enemy, then you must find some good in your enemy and focus on that. In his sermon, he said, within the best of us, there is some evil. And within the worst of us, there is some good when we come to see this. We take a different attitude toward individuals. The person who hates you most has some good in him. Even the nation that hates you most has some good in it. Even the race that hates you most has some good in it. And when you come to the point that you look in the face of every man, and see deep down within him what religion calls the image of God, you begin to love him in spite of. No matter what he does, you see God's image there. There's an element of goodness that he can never slough off. Discover the element of good in your enemy, and as you seek to hate him, find the center of goodness and place your attention there, and you will take a new attitude. So as I mentioned, King harkens back to his introduction to New Testament class. And that conversation matters, but I'm going to condense it for you just a little bit. In English, we get one word for love, more or less. We love tacos and pets and each other and our friends and our spouses and all sorts of things in between. We don't have much nuance for word choice, especially not in our day-to-day language. Greek, however, the language of the New Testament has plenty of nuance. Instead of just love, they talked about the romantic love of eros. And you can tell everybody this is your song. It may be quite simple, but now that it's done, I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind that I put down in the words They talked about the friendly love of Philia And they talked about a third love of agape. When Jesus said to love our enemies, he spoke of the third kind of love, agape, which we understand as the love of God working in all humankind. Our actions and attitudes reflect God's love, even if we don't like the person. King writes, agape is something of the understanding, creative, redemptive goodwill for all men. It is a love that seeks nothing in return. It is an overflowing love. It's what theologians would call the love of God working in the lives of men. And when you rise to love on this level, you begin to love men not because they are likable, but because God loves them. You look at every man and you love him because you know God loves him. And he might be the worst person you've ever seen. And this is what Jesus means, I think, in this very passage when he says, Love your enemy. And it's significant that he does not say, Like your enemy. Like is a sentimental something, an affectionate something. There are a lot of people that I find it difficult to like. I don't like what they do to me, I don't like what they say about me and other people, I don't like their attitudes. I don't like some of the things they're doing, I don't like them, but Jesus says love them. And love is greater than like. Love is understanding redemptive will for all men so that you love everybody because God loves them. There's plenty more in that sermon of Kings. Again, it's 40 minutes long. But the choice to love our enemies is a choice to follow Jesus' command. It is a choice to participate in the reign of God. And that reign is inherently a different structure than we're used to or we're comfortable with. We're choosing a new way of being in the world. If we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ as a means of transforming the world, then we choose to love our enemies it seems like there has to be a better answer. But when I consider this saint who came before us, a man who could well be still with us at 91 years old, if not for an assassination, I can trust Jesus' words a little more fully. And I can trust King's too. So this morning, as I look into your eyes and into the eyes of all my brothers in Alabama, and all over America, and over the world, I say to you, I love you. I would rather die than hate you, and I'm foolish enough to believe that through the power of this love, somewhere, men of the most recalcitrant bent will be transformed, and then we will be in God's kingdom. I hope, I hope, that we can love our enemies with the same deep conviction. Amen.